You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Week 10 edition of Falato's Fantasy Corner here on Big Blue View Radio Network, the great platform for SB Nation focused on the New York Giants, a team coming off a win, a team that gets to square off against another team in their division that they should have beat earlier in the season. The Philadelphia Eagles should be a big game on Sunday. It's absolutely ridiculous to even imagine the fact that this New York Giants team is actually in real contention if they win this game to make the playoffs because they're 2-7 and seven and nobody should ever be in any sort of playoff contention with the record of 2-7. and seven. Now, I think a lot of Giants fans can agree, a lot of people who've witnessed and watched the Giants, that the Giants are a very competitive 2-7, and seven, but... Still, that's seven losses that are on their record. But this isn't a Giants podcast per se. It's on a Giants platform, but not a Giants podcast per se. This is a fantasy football podcast, and we're going to dive into my week 10 rankings, going through the positions, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. So let's jump right into the quarterbacks. And the number one ranked quarterback for me, it's pretty easy right now, and that's going to be Kyler Murray. He's balling out of his mind as of right now. He ranks number one in the league in fantasy points at the position with 240 in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. The next closest is Pat Mahomes at 239 and then Russell Wilson at 236, and then it starts to drop off. So it's between those three, but right now Pat Mahomes is on bye, and Russell Wilson is playing the Rams, a team where traditionally those two teams hasn't been as big of an offensive explosion. There are games where it's like that. I mean, if you go back to even before Sean McVay, I remember Jeff Fisher when the Rams were absolutely pathetic. They would play the Seattle Seahawks very, very hard. Now, obviously, that doesn't necessarily pertain right now, but this is a division game. It's the first of the division game, not the second. Second of the division games seem to be a little bit more conservative in terms of the point distribution for both teams. But these first games, it could be a crapshoot, but I still have Kyler Murray over Russell Wilson. Doesn't matter. They're both complete studs. Right now, Kyler Murray ranks number one in the league in rushing yards, but 543 second would be Lamar Jackson, who's in the 400s, and he's 12th in passing yards as well. He's having a phenomenal season. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't necessarily had one of those great blow-up games in the last couple. Could be coming this week, but Kyler is finding his rapport with Christian Kirk. He's getting the ball to Dan Arnold. He's finding Andy Isabella even, or at least he's tempting to, and Andy Isabella, who was selected one pick ahead of DK Metcalf. For those of you who do not know, Andy Isabella, he is an incredibly quick wide receiver out of UMass. Saw him down at the Senior Bowl. He's about maybe five foot eight, if. Very, very fast guy. But DK Metcalf, for those of you who do not know, is a tank. He's like 6'4", and looks like he's a defensive end. And Andy Isabella was picked one pick ahead of DK Metcalf, and now Arizona Cardinal fans have to face DK Metcalf twice a year. That is depressing, but hey, Arizona, you have Kyler Murray, and he's the number one ranked quarterback against Buffalo at home, has Buffalo traveling from the east to the west coast. This is going to be a four in the 425 window, but still, Murray is a beast, and I believe Josh Allen, who I had as my number two ranked quarterback last week, have him as my number two ranked quarterback this week as well because he gets Arizona. And these are high-scoring games. We saw Tua Tungavailoa go to Arizona last week, put up over 30 points, beat the Arizona Cardinals. And I think they're going to be able to move the football. I think Steph Diggs is going to have to see a lot of Patrick Peterson. And Patrick Peterson's having a better season than what he showed earlier in the year. He's doing a solid job against number ones. But I think Smokey John Brown could be in real big play in a revenge game type of narrative versus the Arizona Cardinals and it's not necessarily just because of that but if you watched the game last week with the Buffalo Bills they were finding Brown a lot under on underneath routes they targeted him often and it was guys like Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and players like that that were coming down with the touchdowns and not John Brown but I could see Brown going for two in this game and I could see Josh Allen throwing for 
upwards to 380, maybe even 400 yards in this game with a few touchdowns, a couple deep bombs. It should be a back-and-forth, very exciting game to watch, and that's why they're my number one and two quarterbacks on the week. My number three quarterback is Russell Wilson. Originally, I wanted to put Aaron Rodgers there, and then I went to NFLweather.com, started checking the weather report for Wisconsin, and it's going to be over 20-mile-per-hour winds. It's going to be light rain, almost freezing, around 35 degrees outside, so I knocked it down, and I don't know if Jacksonville is going to be able to compete, especially in that weather, to where Aaron Rodgers may not throw the football as much. Granted, last week, that didn't matter on Thursday Night Football because San Francisco decided not to compete whatsoever, and Aaron Rodgers still had 29 fantasy points. And that's why he's still in the top five. But I put Russell Wilson ahead of him at three. And Russell Wilson gets to take on the Rams at SoFi Stadium just outside of Los Angeles. And Russell Wilson, what else can you say about him? I think DK Metcalf is going to see some Jalen Ramsey. I don't necessarily think that matters. This could be a huge Tyler Lockett game. The Rams are coming off of a bye. But Russell Wilson is an absolute stud. Even in games where he struggles, he still puts up a ton of fantasy points. He struggled last week at Buffalo on that one o'clock start that we talk about. Still put up fantasy points, still found ways to get points on the board later in the game. Hit two touchdowns in that game after struggling the entire time and turning the football over. I expect a bounce back this week. Number four would be Aaron Rodgers in that cold weather, windy game up in Lambeau Field against Jacksonville, who can't really stop all that much. Both Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks last week had huge games against Jacksonville, and I think. When you have a guy like Devontae Adams, it's going to be hard to stop him, let alone the fact that Alan Lazard might be coming back. And Aaron Rodgers' team is slowly getting healthier, and hopefully they can get David Bacteri back, who is their left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the National Football League. So Aaron Rodgers comes in at 4. 5 would be Jared Goff versus Seattle. Seattle can't stop anybody defensively. We've seen this time and time again this season, and Jared Goff gets to come off a bye. He's at home, and I think... With Cooper Cup getting more healthy, Cooper Cup was limited in practice on Wednesday with an oblique injury. He also has a wrist injury, but it looks like he's going to play. You still have Robert Woods. Looks like Tyler Higby's going to be healthy for this game. Jared Goff slowly getting healthier, coming off the bye. Very, very important divisional matchup against Seattle. I expect him to have a very solid game, but that's why he comes in my top five. As for six, it would be Tom Brady at Carolina. Just a straight bounce back game, man. Talk about embarrassing on Sunday Night Football. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers got absolutely trounced, and everybody witnessed it against the Saints. And it was a storyline for weeks. Can Tampa Bay keep up with New Orleans? Because in week one, Tampa Bay didn't. And a lot of people made excuses. They're like, oh, it's Tom Brady's first game not being a Patriot, first game in a new system, they're not in sync, blah, blah, blah. And then... That excuse of a game happened where the Saints went into Tampa Bay on Sunday Night Football last week in Week 9 and beat the ever-living crap out of everything that Tampa Bay believed in. Now they get Carolina, and Carolina's a better team than their record would kind of allow you to believe, but I still think Tampa Bay is the better team and that Tampa Bay will win that game. 7 to Sean Watson at Cleveland. That's another game to monitor the weather. It's going to be over 20-mile-per-hour winds in Cleveland going to be rainy it's not going to be as cold as it is in Lambeau it's going to be about 58 degrees as of right now Thursday afternoon that's what is being reported so to Sean is seven and eight would have to be Lamar Jackson at New England and he's been disappointing from where you draft but people drafted Lamar Jackson very very high and he's not living up to it and you look at Kyler Murray you look at Josh Allen you look at Deshaun Watson look at Justin Herbert who didn't even go drafted and you say what the heck why did I draft Lamar Jackson in the third round or whatever you did if you selected him there because the offense is out of sync they can't throw the football he averages like 175 passing yards a damn game he's lucky he has that like floor of like 40 yards with his legs that he gets almost every week but other than that it's very frustrating and against new england i think their defense can be had we saw joe flacco air it out on them almost get a win in primetime monday night football last week Lamar Jackson, I mean, if you have him, you're more than likely going to start him. Unless you drafted somebody else later and they're in a better matchup, like a Jared Goff. I'd probably start Jared Goff over Lamar, which is kind of nuts this week. Insane to think about. But he's a hard person to bench because he's one play away from getting your fantasy team like 13 points with a rush for a touchdown, a long rush for a touchdown, which we've seen several times this season. He's kind of rolled the dice with him. 
Then we have at 9, I have Justin Herbert at Miami. This is a 4 o'clock start, so it is a West Coast team traveling to the East Coast, but it is a 4 o'clock start, 4.05, so that's not as bad as a 1 o'clock start, to be honest, and those things kind of matter. I think Keenan Allen's going to have a huge game against Miami because Miami has two solid corners outside with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. They're both healthy now, and they're both playing very, very well. But in the slot, they have Nick Needham, and they can't really find a way to kind of plug the slot up, and that's where Keenan Allen's going to be. So this could be a huge Keenan Allen-Justin Herbert kind of game. He comes in my top 10. 10, though I have Carson Wentz at the New York Giants. He may have Alshon Jeffrey. He got Jalen Rager back. He has a healthy Dallas Goddard. And we saw what Richard Rodgers did against the Giants. It was like 8 for 8. He was pivotal on those drives down the field that led to Carson Wentz winning that game, unfortunately. So I look at Wentz this week, another team coming off of a bye. Of course, the Giants get the luck of playing the Eagles when they have extra prep time. That's very, very frustrating. The team got healthier, similar to the other teams that are coming off of a bye. Seems how funny is that it's the way it works, you know. You come off of a bye and you get healthier. But the Giants are going to need to step up. This is a big, big game for New York, even though they have a trash record. But it's a winnable game, too, at home. But Carson Wentz, I, I think, could come out here. They may struggle to establish the run against this New York Giants front that has been dominant in that phase, and it could lead to a lot of checkdowns, and it could lead to Carson Wentz having... 300 yards passing and it might not even look like it for the game you might hit on a big play that's what the Giants really need to prevent those big plays downfield look what happened against Ryan Lewis with John Hightower but I have what went at 10 and at 11 I have Tua Tagovailoa against the Los Angeles Chargers this is a home game for him last time they were home he didn't really have to do much because the Rams just did not show up whatsoever back in week eight but now he gets to go up against this Chargers defense. Chargers defense has been beat up all year. Chris Harris has been hurt, hasn't played. Joey Bosa has been dinged up. Melvin Ingram has been dinged up all season. And losing Preston Williams is very unfortunate for the Dolphins. So I expect them to try to get Mike Kosicki involved a little bit more. Try and force the ball to Devontae Parker and when I say force, I don't mean it in a, in a negative light. I just mean it in the sense that Devontae Parker is a talented receiver and he hasn't necessarily had those big games yet that you kind of want him to have. And I think Tua could have another really good outing, but he's still young and it's still somewhat of a risk because he had a great week last week, but we haven't seen a consistent trend yet because he hasn't had that opportunity to set a consistent trend. At 12, I have Ben Roethlisberger if he plays versus Cincinnati. This is another game that should be pretty damn gross in terms of weather. 16-mile-per-hour winds, about 50 degrees, rain, windy. So you want to check that out. You want to check if he even plays with the injury. Probably dig him down even a little bit more if I'm going to be real. But he comes in around this range as well. Have Drew Brees at 13 versus San Francisco. We saw that defense, and now they get this little extended bye because they played on Thursday Night Football, but we saw that defense absolutely just not be able to stop Aaron Rodgers whatsoever. And then we saw the Saints defense totally stop, completely stop Tom Brady in another primetime game on Saturday Night Football. But Drew Brees looked really good. He was giving the ball to basically all of his receivers. It's like the first quarter, I think he already gave the ball to 11 different receivers who caught the ball. So he's giving it to them accurately. And he's setting the offense up. And now we know he doesn't really have that vertical type of stretch the field arm anymore. But with Michael Thomas, with Alvin Kamara, with Jared Cook, Traquan Smith, Emmanuel Sanders, Latavius Murray even. He has a lot of weapons to kind of nink and dunk the ball to. Taysom Hill. So I have Drew Brees coming in at 13-14. I have Derek Carr versus Denver. Denver is a team that allows 24.9 fantasy points to the quarterback position. And they've been doing a lot of that more recently as well, just because they have been dinged up in the secondary. So I think Mr. Carr is going to go out there, possibly hit on a deep ball to Henry Ruggs for once. He's been connecting a lot with Nelson Aguilar recently. Those are fantasy options if you're feeling really risky or really desperate. But these are kind of the matchups where these guys could thrive because it's inside, it's in a dome, and it's going to allow Carr to kind of air it out. And Carr's home. I think they're going to attempt to establish the run. Denver has been better against the run than a lot of the other teams just on the season, and I know they've dealt with injuries on their defensive line, but they've still been relatively solid. But the last couple weeks, they've been a little bit more leaky, so that's something that you can monitor when it comes to Josh Jacobs. 
but I don't think that's going to hinder Carr from having at least 18 fantasy points in this game. It could be a high-scoring game if Drew Locke can pull his head out of his rear end because Drew Locke seems to struggle through the first three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, he puts up 21 points. It's like that every week. And then it's garbage time, but that garbage time turns into something special because they almost win the football game, and they did win the football game two weeks ago against the Chargers. And speaking of Drew Locke, he comes in at 15. I kind of already went over Locke. I think Locke can take advantage of this Las Vegas Raiders secondary, which is suspect. I think that he can have a pretty solid game here, but he has to be consistent early on. And you got to look at Pat Shermer for that. Pat Shermer is his offensive coordinator, and for whatever reason, Drew Locke is terrible in the first three quarters, and then he has a great fourth quarter. I don't know why. doesn't really make sense. But Las Vegas is sixth in the league in giving up fantasy points to the quarterback. They've been very liberal with it. They give up 27.3 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. So Las Vegas and wide receivers, they give up over 40 points per game to the wide receiver position, which ranks about mid-pack because Seattle gives up 54, Tennessee gives up 51, Houston gives up 49. There's some teams that give up a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers. You think about Houston, I mean, DJ Chark had one heck of a game last week, and it happened in the first quarter, the first big play. But Drew Locke has a chance here to have a really good game on the road in the division, prove that he can be a franchise quarterback because a lot of people are starting to sour on him because his accuracy is not there. He has a big arm. Accuracy and processing are still a question mark. It's a little bit different than Daniel Jones, who comes in at 16 at versus Philadelphia. And Daniel Jones doesn't necessarily have a huge arm. He's a good arm. It's solid. I think he's his ball placement and his touch are pretty solid, I would say, outside of that Tampa game, which was terrible, and Week 17 against Philadelphia. But the weather in MetLife should be pretty solid at 1 o'clock on Sunday, which is good for Daniel Jones. And we saw Jim Schwartz, defensive coordinator of Philly, in the first matchup, run a lot of man coverage. Blitz Daniel Jones often. And Daniel made him pay. Deep touchdown to Golden Tate. There were a couple other plays where he was able to take advantage of six-man pressure, get the ball out of his hands, throw hot. So Daniel Jones I have at 16. I think he's uh, in a super flex league. I think you could start him and not feel terrible. I do. Especially at home. 17 at Baker Mayfield versus Houston. Coming off the bye. Has Austin Hooper back. Doesn't have Odell Beckham to feed, which is unfortunate, but a lot of people are pointing to, hey, maybe they're going to be better now. But we already talked about this game and how it's going to be sloppy weather, so you might want to ding them down just a little bit if at kickoff it's still sloppy. 18, Matt Stafford, if he plays, dealing with an injury right now in the concussion protocol, could still play against Washington, who has a really good pass rush. But I have him at 18. 19, I have Ryan Tannehill versus Indianapolis Thursday Night Football. And then 20 is Joe Burrow at Pittsburgh which could be rough for him, especially with the weather. So those are my quarterback rankings, the top 20. Please go to Big Blue View to get all 28 of the rankings. Now let's move on to the running back position. My number one ranked running back, even in a tough matchup, it's just hard to bet against this guy right now, is Dalvin Cook, who is coming off two back-to-back 40-point fantasy outings. And he gets to play Monday Night Football at Chicago. Now, that is a very tough matchup, so we have to kind of just acknowledge that. It doesn't matter. You're still going to play Dalvin Cook. There's no reason to really dive into this. Chicago gives up about 20 fantasy points per game to the running back position, and I think it's going to uh, be a little bit higher after this week with Dalvin Cook. Minnesota just uses him in so many different ways. They use him through the past. They'll give him the targets, the receptions on screens. It's very, very dangerous when you're playing against a player like him. And the weather's not supposed to be too bad. It's supposed to be a little bit windy. It's going to be cold because it's in Chicago, but it's not going to be anything egregious. So Dalvin Cook definitely comes in number one, and he's the number one ranked running back right now in fantasy. And he had his bye week, and he missed a game due to injury. So... (laughs) It's kind of nuts. He averages 26.4 fantasy points right now. Alvin Kamara is second with 19. So it just goes to show you how amazing Dalvin Cook has been. Then we have Aaron Jones versus Jacksonville. Already kind of went over this game in terms it's going to be windy, it's going to be gross, it's going to be a lot of running the football. And Jacksonville is not that good at stopping the run. They rank 
eighth right now and giving up fantasy points with about 24.7 fantasy points per game to the running back position. And Aaron Jones looked phenomenal on Thursday Night Football. And I know Jamal Williams is going to be back, so will A.J. Dillon. They may steal six carries, seven carries, possibly eight between the two of them. This is going to be the Aaron Jones show now that he is healthy. And that's going to be excellent for anybody who owns Aaron Jones. The number three, I have Alvin Kamara versus San Francisco. San Francisco has been very, very stingy against the running back position, but recently, not as much. As I just said, Aaron Jones did really well against the San Francisco 49ers defense in Thursday night football. And I expect now that they, oh, they have their Fred Warner in the middle of the field, but they traded Quan Alexander. They're not as strong up the middle. And Alvin Kamara is going to be a player that you can find really all over the field. In terms of passing, it's going to be running. They use it a lot on the pitches outside, on the power, the gap, get him into space. Such a smooth runner. Alvin Kamara comes in at three. Number four would be Derrick Henry on Thursday Night Football. By the time you're listening to this, you'll already know how he did. Gets a tough run defense in the Indianapolis Colts, but we know what Derrick Henry can do in those types of situations. Number five, James Robinson at Green Bay Packers. Now, before last week when Jermichael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon were all but stuffed, Green Bay Packers were giving up the most fantasy points in the league against the running back position. Now it's the second most because Detroit has been very giving, I guess you could say, to the fantasy running back position after that Dalvin Cook game. So Green Bay, James Robinson. If you have James Robinson, you're starting him. Again, it's going to be kind of a gross weather game. You're going to want to give him the football. They could be down 14 points early on and have to kind of rely on the pass, but they use James Robinson in that role too. So you're not going to be too worried about what James Robinson could do for your football team because he's dominating the lion's share of carries there in Jacksonville. Chris Thompson gets in there every now and again, but he's not being used nearly the amount James Robinson is through the air or on the ground. Then at six, I have Nick Chubb if he plays in this game versus Houston in the other gross weather kind of matchup game. And there's a little risk here. I think if Nick Chubb comes back, you're going to use him, but you want to monitor what the coach is kind of saying, if he's going to be limited. You want to take that with a grain of salt, though, too, because Christian McCaffrey last week was going to be limited, and he was going to split carries on Mike Davis, and that didn't necessarily happen, and now Christian McCaffrey's going to miss Week 10. So they may be a little cautious about it, especially when you have a running back like Kareem Hunt, who is very, very talented as well. But I have Nick Chubb at six. Seven, I have Miles Sanders at the New York Giants coming off of his hamstring injury. I think he's going to be used a lot on those quick uh, dink and dunks. We saw J.D. McKissick have one heck of a fantasy game against the Giants because the Giants defense is designed to allow underneath throws. And then the entire Giants team, who run a lot of three high, kind of looks, rally to the football and make the tackle. And they're very, very good at doing that. So they don't mind giving up those short little passes. In PPR leagues, that could be huge. And Miles Sanders is also very talented, and he's able to kind of break off a long run. So the Giants don't usually give up, but it's definitely something that could be possible. So I have Miles Sanders at 7, 8. I have James Conner versus Cincinnati. Last week was a little weird. We saw a lot of Anthony McFarland. We saw a lot of Benny Snell. It got kind of annoying, but still James Conner is dominating the touches there. And there's something to be said for that. He's dominating the snap share as well. I just think it's annoying that the other guys come in and they use him in the red zone. But if you have James Conner, you're going to roll him out there against Cincinnati, a team that isn't necessarily great at stopping the run. They've gotten more healthy before the bye and brought some of their bigger guys back, which has definitely helped for sure. But they're about middle of the pack when it comes to stopping the run. They've had some games this season where they were giving up long runs. That's not really James Conner's game. But with a hurt Ben Roethlisberger, you're going to want to rely on the run, especially in those conditions. So James Conner... Should be in for a very nice fantasy matchup, as should Josh Jacobs at home against Denver. We've seen Josh Jacobs get over 30 carries, like it's the 90s this season. We've seen Josh Jacobs used in the past somewhat. Now Devontae Booker's coming in. You see a little bit of Jalen Richard, and that can get annoying. But you got Josh Jacobs. I have him at 9. I think he's going to still be in for a week against Denver that, like I said, they've been a little bit worse against the run lately. They Now they rank about middle of the pack. They were much better earlier in the season. But all you need is a couple goal line touches for Josh Jacobs, and he's a smash. And he's been somewhat erratic this season just because he's, he'll give you those five-point games, he'll give you that eight-point game, which is respectable, give you that six-point game, but then he'll give you that 20-point game, and then he'll give you that 25- or 30-point game. Now, for this, I expect it to be more of like a 16-, 17-point game, something that you're not going to be disappointed with. That's why he ranks in my top ten. Like last week, you look at the running backs after the week, there was Christian McCaffrey, 
and a couple there was two more i think that had excellent week nines and then after that it was kind of bad to be honest it was there was a big drop off from after the top two running backs like even guys like derrick henry didn't have a great game alvin kamara didn't end up having a great game so i look at the running back position from last week hopefully this week will be better in terms of fantasy points because last week you had dalvin cook get just under 40 christian mccaffrey get just under 30 and then after that it was james robinson solid at 16 and Kalen Balaj was the next one then wayne gallman i like wayne gallman you probably like wayne gallman if you're listening to this podcast because i imagine you have some sort of affiliation with the new york giants but when Kalen Balaj is your four ew gross disgusting then your six is Jarek mckinnon your seven is Devonte booker ugh Really, really gross. But Josh Jacobs did end up finishing in the top ten. So if you look, if you look at my rankings from last week, you're gonna be like, "Wow, I was way off." Because there were some really ugly names. I did not think Kalen Balaj would even see the field that much. But since Justin Jackson got hurt on the first snap, he ended up seeing the field, and he might again this week. So hold your breath. Then at ten, I have Chase Edmonds versus Buffalo. This is if Drake doesn't play. Now Drake has been practicing. I want to say limitedly. He may play this week. But I still think Chase Edmonds could be in a good role. But if Drake is there and he is active and he is playing, then you would have to bump Chase down. But as of right now, he comes out of top 10 at a high-scoring game. And it's against Buffalo, a team that gives up the 7th most fantasy points to the running back position. But before we continue with the next 10 running backs, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At the great old number of 11, I have Mike Davis versus Tampa Bay. They get the host, Tampa Bay. A team that did not look good, did not look in sync. A team that's rush defense has suffered since Vita Vey left. Yes, they traded for Steve McClendon from the New York Jets. I believe Steve McClendon is a very good football player, but the run defense hasn't necessarily been the same. And Tampa Bay ranks about middle of the pack in terms of giving fantasy points up to the running back position. My fear with Mike Davis, I still have him at 11, but my fear with him is that Curtis Samuel is going to come in, get five to six carries possibly, going to be used a lot in that short passing game, something that Curtis Samuel has thrived in in the last couple games. And then Christian McCaffrey came back and they still used him there. And they used Mike Davis as well with Christian McCaffrey, but it wasn't all that much. Definitely wasn't as much as they said they were going to. But now without Christian McCaffrey there, Mike Davis slides in as a high-end running back too in a matchup that was a lot worse earlier in the season, but isn't necessarily terrible right now, especially since the Buccaneers are traveling and they're coming off of just an absolute beatdown. Now, they could be very, very energized, but I think Mike Davis is going to be good if they get blown out, and he's going to be good if they win because... It's going to be a competitive game, and Davis has third down upside. They use him on third down. They don't mind using him on third down. And they like, when they roll out 11 personnel, to have Curtis Samuel in the slot with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, and then they'll use Mike Davis out of the backfield. So you could see a lot of checkdowns there. And that's why Mike Davis comes in at 11. 12 is going to be Chris Carson at the Rams. We haven't seen him in two games with that midfoot sprain. He may not play in this game. And obviously, if he doesn't, I would just slide DJ Dallas down a little bit and insert him. It doesn't seem like Carlos Hyde is going to be available either, but I have Chris Carson at 12. And whenever Chris Carson plays, I tend to plug him into the lineup. We have to monitor the injury situation. 13 is Kareem Hunt versus Houston. Even if Nick Chubb plays, I think Kareem Hunt is still a top 15 play. He's proven that this season. He's actually seemed to be a little bit better with Nick Chubb on the field. They use him a lot around the goal line, especially in the passing game. Now, his touchdown variance has kind of determined how good he's going to be, which is something you don't necessarily love, but we know that he's very talented, and we know Houston is just not good at guarding running backs. That's why they give up the fifth most to the running back position at 28.5 fantasy points a game to the running back. Split that in half between him and Nick Chubb, and it's solid fantasy outings, but that's not necessarily how it works, obviously. But at 14, I have Antonio Gibson 
at Detroit. I think this is going to be more of a Gibson game, especially if Matt Stafford misses because of the concussion, than a J.D. McKissick game because the Giants kind of jumped to an early lead on Washington, forced them into kind of catch-up mode. J.D. McKissick seems to be best buddies with Alex Smith, yes, but if Washington's able to be in a competitive game, I think they're going to run the football more, granted. That's if Antonio Gibson doesn't put the ball on the ground like he did because he was a dope on that first carry and gave the Giants the ball back, which was awesome for us Giants people, but not awesome for his fantasy outlook. But I think this is going to be more of a Gibson game. Detroit, like I said, gives up the most fantasy points to the running back position, and I can see Gibson having a really nice outing. Then Daryl Henderson Jr., this is if he plays, okay? He's dinged up right now, and he's still not practicing in full. So you have to check Thursday and Friday's injury reports to see if he gets a full practice in it. If he does, I like him. If not, I'm hesitant. Because I think coming out of a bye, just like we saw with DeAndre Swift, I think you're going to see a little bit more Cam Akers. Miami, we saw him because it was a blowout and because Henderson got hurt. But if Daryl Henderson misses this game, I would not be surprised to see a healthy dose of Cam Akers, who was talented. Kid from Florida State, drafted him in the second round. They like him. Henderson's been playing really well, so why bench Henderson? This could open up an opportunity for Akers. Uh, Malcolm Brown as well. Somebody who's kind of used every game no matter what. That veteran type of running back. So just monitor Henderson. If he plays, I like him in this matchup. Obviously, high-scoring matchup. If not, then we're going to have to bump up the other two. But neither of them will be here. It would be more of a split. But I would say Cam Akers, if he's on the free agent wire, uh, and you have room, you can probably squeeze him in there. Melvin Gordon versus the Raiders. Next is coming off of a bad game against the Atlanta Falcons, who have been a lot better on defense, even though they almost Atlanta Falconed again last week. But their rush defense has been pretty solid. And I think Melvin Gordon in this game, you rely on Drew Locke to get him the ball in the passing game, and he's out there running a lot of routes. It's not like he's not used there. They'll use him on third down. They'll spell him for Lindsey every now and again, but still, Gordon still has that upside, and I think this 50-point over-under could benefit someone like Melvin Gordon. I would actually probably take the over there. With the Raiders offense looking pretty good the last couple weeks, even though they played in the rain game at Cleveland, and Denver hopefully finding their stride against a defense that's not that great in Oakland, or Oakland, wow, Las Vegas, I I think this could be over the 50 point. The highest over and under on the week, by the way, is the Buffalo Bills going to Arizona. That's a 56 point over under. That's really, really juicy. Another over under that's very high, 54 and a half. You could probably guess what that is. NFC West battle in SoFi Stadium, Seahawks and the Rams. Alrighty, on to the next ranking, which would be DeAndre Swift versus Washington. Now, if Matt Stafford misses this game, they're going to really rely on the run. I think that would be Adrian Peterson. I think it will be Swift. But if Matt Stafford is in the game, which I guess you could say we're hoping for, I think that would be better for DeAndre Swift. More scoring opportunities, get him down to the goal line. We saw Wayne Gallman and the Giants offensive line establish themselves on Washington. That can happen again with Detroit, a team that doesn't necessarily have a great offensive line. But at home, I think Swift could have a pretty solid game here. 18, Duke Johnson Jr. This is if David Johnson doesn't play. It doesn't look like David Johnson's going to play. He's out with a concussion. Missed most of last game. Got hurt in the first quarter. And Duke Johnson came in and had 16 touches. You look at the Texans' depth chart, they don't necessarily have all that much. Now, I... I'm a little hesitant here just because I'm not sure if they're going to give Duke Johnson the majority of the carries. And that's where it gets kind of hairy. I think his workload will expand there, but he's going to have 90% of it. Is he going to kind of dominate the touches from that standpoint? Or will they bring up somebody else from the practice squad? Someone like CJ Procise, who was with Seattle, former Golden Domer, Notre Dame, who's on the practice squad. I'm sure they're going to be bringing him up. They have Buddy Howe, who's on the active roster. But Duke Johnson, you hope that he's going to get most of the touches. I think it's definitely possible in this gross weather game. <laughs> this is also a revenge game. Obviously, Duke used to be with the Cleveland Browns as well. But I, if you if you are able to scoop him up off the free agent wire, I'm imagining you're going to play him in this matchup without David Johnson. It's probably going to be your only opportunity to play him because it is a concussion. So he comes in at 18, 19. Joe Mixon, if he plays at Pittsburgh, it's a really, really tough matchup. But Joe Mixon, you know, he's going to get 18 touches, possibly. And, you know, you don't love the matchup, but I think if you have Joe Mixon, you're probably waiting to play him. If you can get away from it and you have someone like Mike Davis, if you have someone like Duke Johnson, if you have someone like Chase Edmonds, which is very, very possible, then I would play them over Joe Mixon, to be honest, especially coming off of an injury in a tough matchup. And it's not even a foregone conclusion that he's playing yet. 20 would be Leonard Fournette 
at Carolina. Now, uh, Ronald Jones, man, he comes in my top 32, but he just keeps getting benched, keeps making bad mistakes, and Leonard Fournette isn't, and that's the big difference right now. And even last game, it was kind of hard to evaluate because Leonard Fournette would dominate snap share because the Buccaneers got down huge early on in the game. So I have Leonard Fournette at 20. And if you guys want the rest of the rankings, please go to Big Blue View. As for now, let's dive into receivers real quickly. Number one, Devontae Adams versus Jacksonville. Devontae Adams is just seeing so many targets. He gets double-digit targets every week from Aaron Rodgers, one of the best throwers of the football. And that's why he's always going to be a number one receiver, always going to be up there in the top three. And that's why he is against Jacksonville, despite the fact that it might be bad weather. You're going to play him no matter what. Terry McLaurin at Detroit. I think McLaurin could smash here. They line him up in the slot a lot. He's going to avoid Jeffrey Okuda, who is a solid young corner. They also have the kid from Penn State that they drafted a couple years ago. I want to say his last name is Armour Warrior. Is that, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but he's been solid. He was picked on a little bit last week, but he's been solid this season in terms of just being a young cornerback on a bad defense, I guess you could say. But I think Terry McLaurin could smash this week. I have him at number two. He's going to get peppered with targets. The only thing is if Washington kind of jumps out to a lead, which is possible in this game, if there is no Matt Stafford, they might just run the football and it'll be that huge Antonio Gibson game, which I think it could still be. I think they can both coexist with each other, McLaurin and Gibson. But that could take away from the upside that McLaurin could have if this is a competitive game in the throwing in the fourth quarter. So I have Terry McLaurin at two. Three, I have DeAndre Hopkins versus Buffalo. Tredavious White is going to play in this game. I don't necessarily think that's going to matter all that much. Hopkins has been, seems like he's been getting over an injury or something like that because he just hasn't been himself yet. And he's also seeing a lot of cloud coverage, a lot of the number one cornerback, and that's allowing Christian Kirk to thrive. But I, DeAndre Hopkins against Buffalo, you're not going to be scared of that with that juicy, juicy over-under. Keenan Allen at Miami. Again, like I said, Keenan Allen, I think he's in for a smash week. Miami, I think... Miami's defense is set up to be attacked in the middle of the field, and I think that's what Justin Herbert's going to do with his favorite guy, someone he targets 13, 16, 19 times a game sometimes. Keenan Allen has been an absolute beast for that offense like he is every single season, and one of the best things that could have happened to Keenan Allen was Justin Herbert starting. Luckily for him, that's what ended up happening. Sad that it was kind of under the circumstances that Tyrod Taylor got stuck with a needle and punctured his lung by the team doctor, but those kind of things, I guess, happen sometimes, which is really, really unfortunate. But for Keenan Allen's fantasy output, Justin Herbert has been excellent. Five, I have Allen Robinson versus Minnesota in that game. It's going to be a little bit cold, a little bit windy, but I don't think it's going to necessarily affect them all that much. Last time we saw them in the cold and the wind in Chicago was against New Orleans, and Allen Robinson had one heck of a game. And Minnesota has been bad against wide receivers. We've seen this several times this season. Minnesota gives up the seventh most points to wide receivers, 46 fantasy points to the wide receiver position. So Allen Robinson comes in my top five because of that and because he's just an absolute freak. The only thing that really holds him back is the fact that his last three quarterbacks have been Blake Bortles in Jacksonville, Mitch Trubisky, Chicago, and now Nick Foles in Chicago, who is not that great. Not that great. And if you go back to college, he had Christian Hackenberg throwing the ball. So Allen Robinson has never really had that great of a quarterback throwing him the football, and he still makes a lot of it. That's why he's at five. Six, Tyler Lockett at the Rams. I think he's going to see a lot of Troy Hill. I think he's going to also be in the slot a lot. That's kind of where they use Tyler Lockett. And I think he's going to avoid Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be tasked to guard DK Metcalf, which is going to be very, very fun to watch. So this could be a big Tyler Lockett game. Now, the last two games have not been those blow-up games that you want coming off that 40-point game that he had three weeks ago. But this is the type of week where I think Lockett could thrive. I thought that last week didn't necessarily happen. Seattle's offense just struggled. DK Metcalf had a, still had a good game, but Seattle's offense as a whole struggled against Buffalo in Buffalo. This week, though, I do like some Tyler Lockett. Then I have Steph Diggs at Arizona. He's going to see some Patrick Peterson. It's going to happen, but Steph Diggs can overcome that. Want to get at all parts of this juicy over-under. Biggest over-under on the week, so give me that. And the second biggest over-under, that Seattle Rams game. 
want to get parts of that. DK Metcalf comes in at eight for me. He's going to see Jalen Ramsey. Don't think it's going to matter all that much because he is an absolute stud. So DK Metcalf, who has been doing nothing but good things for Seattle, and he's dominating the target share there now. It was Tyler Lockett. It was more of an even split, but now we see DK Metcalf taking over that target share and kind of earning the first option on this Seattle passing attack led by Russell Wilson, who is absolutely crazy right now who should be in the MVP conversation yet again, should definitely receive some MVP votes. Jeez, you know, <laughs> it's kind of nuts that he hasn't yet in his career. Metcalf has 26% of the target share, though, through the last four games, whereas Tyler Lockett has 24%, and that's with that game where Tyler Lockett was just targeted like crazy. So you kind of like what they're providing. Outside of those two who make up 50% of the target share, you have David Moore at 10, Jacob Hollister at 8, couple tight ends and then the running backs so Seattle the offense runs through those two and that's why they both come in my top 10 nine I have Michael Thomas for San Francisco didn't need to do anything last week don't freak out he's gonna need he may not need to do much this week but this could be you know back in New Orleans first game playing in New Orleans since week one this could be a just feed Michael Thomas and see if Jason Verrett can stop him that kind of game Jason Verrett's very good cornerback but Michael Thomas, we know how good he could be. People have short memories, but let's not forget he was the consensus number one receiver going into this season over the likes of DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. 10, A.J. Brown, Thursday Night Football. We'll know by the time you're listening to this what happens there. 11, I have Robert Woods versus Seattle. 12, Will Fuller at Cleveland. And then Cooper Cup in that same game with Robert Woods against Seattle. Obviously, they're teammates. Now, for Woods, he has 18% of the target share right now. It's not great when you look at Cooper Cup, who's coming off of a 21-target game before the bye. He has 28% of the target share. Woods has four touchdowns on the year. Cup only has two. It's not as much as you would hope from this Los Angeles Rams passing attack, if we're going to be real. Kind of want more. This is a game where it could get more. This is their first matchup against Seattle. They don't play him until week 16 after this, which, you know, could be great to own them in the fantasy playoffs, to be honest, because... Seattle can't stop anything, but this could be huge games for both of these players, especially if Cup is healthy. You want to monitor that. It seems like he's going to play. I don't think it's going to be an issue, but that's why another reason why I have Woods over him, and they also love to use Woods on these jet sweeps. Coming out of the bye, I expect some creative play calls for both of these players, and if there's any matchup to be exploited, it's this one. And then Will Fuller, who I had at 11, kind of splitting the difference of the two Rams. Fuller is this deep threat and I think the wind is something that may affect him I'd probably ding him down a little bit more than right now but I'm expecting Fuller to maybe avoid Denzel Ward a little bit that might be more of a coverage depending on where they line up in the majority of the time for Brandon Cooks but I think I'm digging Will Fuller down a little bit just to be clear probably adjusted in the rankings when you see it on Big Blue View okay Cooper Cup, like I said, 13-14, Adam Thielen at Chicago. Chicago has been very, very good against the pass this season. Right now, against wide receivers, they rank third to the bottom, giving up 26.5 fantasy points a game to the wide receiver position. The only teams that are better are the Rams and Washington. And I think Washington's more of just kind of game script because they haven't been able to put a lot of points on the board. A lot of teams are just running on them towards the end of the game, whereas the Rams, pretty solid pass defense as well, don't think it's going to matter all that much against DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, and Tyler Lockett, like I said, but Chicago has been pretty good, and they've been in a lot of competitive games, that defense has been solid, they just don't have a quarterback, I think Adam Thielen could be in for a good game here, for sure, that's why I have him in my top 15, but maybe not the number one type receiver, but who knows, maybe he'll just blow up here, the fact that it's a little windy doesn't help, The fact that Dalvin Cook is having the time of his life right now doesn't help because they're just running the football because no one can stop him. Kirk Cousins is dropping back to pass like 18 times in games and stuff. (laughs) So that's kind of nuts. But Adam Thielen, still, good option. 15, Chris Godwin at Carolina. Got to monitor the fingers. Seem like it's going to be okay. I think he's going to start catching footballs on Friday and play in this game. And I expect Tampa Bay to kind of get right. 16, Travis Fulgham versus the New York Giants. At New York Giants, I should say. Fulgham is their number one receiver right now. He's proven to be that. I know there's a lot more mouths to feed. That's probably why he's not higher in this game. That and because James Bradbury has been very, very good. This Giants defense has been a lot better than a lot of people expected. 
but I still have him in my top 20. 17 Christian Kirk versus Buffalo. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of focus on DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kirk is going to get the second cornerback. They use him in the slot. They kind of use him everywhere, and they've been using him on deep passes much more because Andy Isabella has proven to be inefficient. So I have Christian Kirk there at 17-18. Tyler Boyd at Pittsburgh. I think the offense is going to run through the middle of the field. The offense is going to struggle with Joe Burrow. I mean, I know they get to come off of a bye week, but this Pittsburgh's defense has been pretty solid, and Tyler Boyd is their best receiver right now. T. Higgins is, is close, though. T. Higgins is another really good receiver. Obviously, 19, Mike Evans at Carolina. You're hoping for some jump ball. You're hoping for a little bit more rapport. Bruce Arians kind of came out and criticized Tom Brady a little bit by saying Mike Evans was open, but he wasn't seen. So I think Mike Evans could be a little bit of a squeaky wheel here. I know there's more miles of few with Antonio Brown there, which is going to be frustrating, but I expect Mike Evans to have a better game than he did last week. And then 20, I have John Brown at Arizona. Could be a revenge type game. Mentioned him earlier in the podcast. I think John Brown is somebody who could avoid Patrick Peterson and have a really, really nice game. Now I'm just going to read the next ones to round out the 32. 21 is Brendan Ayuk at New Orleans. 22, DJ Moore versus Tampa Bay. 23, Chase Claypool versus Cincinnati. 24, DJ Chark at Green Bay. 25, Sterling Shepard versus Philadelphia. 26, Deontay Johnson versus Cincinnati. 27, Jerry Judy if he plays. He has a shoulder issue right now at the Raiders. 28, Nelson Aguilar versus Denver. Juju Smith-Schuster versus Cincinnati at 29. 30, Brendan Cooks at Cleveland. 31, Justin Jefferson at Chicago. And 32, Curtis Samuel versus Tampa Bay. Let's roll through these tight ends real quickly. I'm always long-winded, ladies and gentlemen, but it's okay. Now let's roll through the tight ends really quick. My number one tight end is Darren Waller. Darren Waller, the offense runs through Darren Waller, and I know Denver's been solid against tight ends this season. They rank in the bottom third, giving up about 10 fantasy points per game. I don't think it matters all that much. Darren Waller's going to see a lot of targets, at least eight targets in this game, and they're going to use him on those short targets, going to use him in the red zone, match him up against whoever Denver has in their secondary and try to take advantage of size and speed because he has both of those things. He's number one with no Travis Kelsey on the slate and George Kittle on the IR. Number two would be TJ Hawkinson versus Washington. TJ Hawkinson has been coming along very, very nicely so far this season for the Lions, especially when Kenny Galladay is not playing. He had five receptions last week, eight targets, three of them in the red zone, 10 targets the week before, six targets the week before that, two of those were in the red zone, five targets the week before that, four of those were in the red zone. So you know that this Daryl Bevel offense with Matt Patricia as the head coach want to utilize the tight ends in the red zone. TJ Hawkinson against Washington, that is a matchup that can be exploited for sure, and I expect Hawkinson to have a really good game. Noah Fant versus the Raiders in that same game with Darren Waller. Again, this is a 50-point over-under. I've been waiting for this Noah Fant breakout, but he's been dinged up. He's kind of underwhelming. I think it's coming, to be honest, because I think he's very, very talented, but he's just always injured. Always dealing with something. He left the Atlanta game with an ankle injury. Came back in. Looks like he's going to play on Sunday. So I have him at three. I think the upside's definitely there. I have Travis Kelsey in a league, and I have Noah Fant. And I picked up Alston Hooper, and I'm going to play Noah Fant. And we'll see if it works out. So let's just, I guess, wait for that one. I think Fant is the way to go, especially if you need an upside play. For Rob Gronkowski at Carolina, that offense, again, out of the Antonio Brown. I still think in the red zone it's going to be Mike Evans. Second option, Rob Gronkowski. And Gronk, who would have thought, but he's turning into a reliable player at this position that is just kind of gross. Tight ends aren't that great. And if you are lucky enough to scoop up Austin Hooper or Dallas Goddard during their bye week, then that's great for you. But if you keep rolling out the Robert Tunyons of the world and the Mike Isickies and the Logan Thomases and the Hunter Henrys, it's just not excellent at all. And then number five, though, I have Evan Ingram versus Philadelphia. <laughs> There has to be some sort of revenge here for Evan Ingram, right? And I know Evan Ingram has come up small so many times, but dropping that pass against Philly that would have ensured the win was the worst moment of Evan Ingram's career. So I think he might see double-digit targets in this game. We've seen that this season. The offense could run through this guy, but he has to catch a damn football. He dropped two passes last week. I have him at five on upside and athleticism, but we all know how Evan Ingram is. Six, Mark Andrews at New England. Bill Belichick loves to eliminate the number one option. Could be Mark Andrews. You're still looking for him in the red zone, though. I think they'll be able to move the football. Baltimore getting a field goal range could be one of those gross field goal type games, but there should be some red zone opportunity for Mark Andrews, and that's why I have him at six, and I don't think you're benching him if you have him either. Seven, Austin Hooper versus Houston. He's coming back from the appendicitis surgery that he ended up having, and I think the offense 
with Jarvis Landry a little beat up. You got Nick Chubb coming back. They're going to want to run the football. That's the identity of the offense. But Baker Mayfield loves throwing to the big target over the middle of the field. There is no more Odell Beckham. There should be more targets for Austin Hooper. That's why I like him here. Eight, Dallas Goddard at the New York Giants. He had one catch for 15 yards in his debut against Dallas. That's going to change. We saw what Richard Rodgers did against the Giants. I think it was the best game that a Giants defense led up against the tight end position, and they didn't even have a touchdown. Richard Rodgers caught eight receptions on eight targets. Very efficient. Short, deep, horizontal cross on the one drive. Now you have Dallas Goddard. I think it's going to be very friendly for Carson Wentz. And I know Doug Peterson went into the bye week and they're like, okay, we got Dallas Goddard back. We have Jalen Rager back. You better believe they're going to have plays for both of those guys. And obviously Goddard's now a week healthier. So I like him in this matchup as well. Nine, I have Eric Ebron versus Cincinnati. It's going to be a little bit of a gross game. There's a lot of receiving options there. So I'm a little bit more hesitant on Ebron, who was another player with a lot of upside because of his athletic ability. So I have him at nine. The player beneath him doesn't necessarily have all the upside. But another reason why I do love Eric Ebron is because Cincinnati does give up the most fantasy points to the tight end position by a pretty wide margin. 23 and a half fantasy points per game. So Carolina's at 17. It's just the weather may dangle a little bit. But I think if you have Ebron, you're probably starting him. 10, I have Jimmy Graham versus Minnesota. Hey, Jimmy Graham, it's gross. It's not great. He gets targets. He catches targets. And he's a red zone weapon. Nick Foles loves targeting him in the red zone. So you have to kind of weigh that in. And Minnesota, not good against the tight end position. They rank fifth in the league, giving up 16 fantasy points to the tight end position. We saw last week against Detroit, we saw TJ Hawkinson have a really good game against them. So I think Jimmy Graham rounds out that top 10. After him, just going to go through it real quick. Jared Cook versus San Francisco. Hunter Henry at Miami. Trey Burton at Tennessee. Logan Thomas at Detroit. Mike Isicki versus the Chargers. Robert Tunyon versus Jacksonville. Jordan Reed at New Orleans. Tyler Higby versus Seattle. Johnny Smith versus Indianapolis. And then Jordan Akins at Cleveland. And that rounds out the Week 10 edition of Filato's Fantasy Corner. Please Head on down to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast and rate, subscribe, review the Big Blue View radio channel. I am the host of this show, Nicholas Filato, and I hope all of you guys win your fantasy matchups. Best of luck and have a lovely day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.